This is Jamie D and Big Newt. He's Big Chris Newton. I'm Jamie D'Amico. We are coming at you week after week. We are talking Buffalo Bills, and this is how you do it. You win 35-0 to stop the losing, which... Of course, it was only one loss. It was the first game of the season, though, and everybody was deflated. Well, I hope people are feeling better now. How are you feeling, Big Newt? Man, you know how I'm feeling, man. It feels good to get on the winning track. And not only did we get on the winning track in week two, but we had perhaps arguably the most dominant performance of the week. Oh, my gosh. The defense for the Buffalo Bills was out of its damn mind, especially, especially the defensive line, Matt Milano. It was just, they made fools out of the fish. Yeah, and it's always good to go down to South Beach. I mean, everybody from Twitter and social media went down there, looked like they just once again took over South Beach. Uh, dudes jumping off tables all at the club. You hear the <laughs> shout song everywhere. And then you could just tell, man, once all the Miami fans started leaving, our Sal Capaccio uh, took pictures, man, and you just see all the Bills fans are still there, man, celebrating with the team, man. It's a wonderful sight. At one point, it was third down for Miami, and the crowd was so loud that somebody I was sitting with said, how is this an away game for the Bills? I'm thinking, man, the Mafia traveled well. Yeah, you could tell, man. I mean, you could see it when you watch Miami, um, other home games and stuff, and then you see how many people wearing our colors there, man. It's just you could tell that we we take it over, man. And it's a good trip. Why not, man? Who Who don't want to go to South Beach, man? It's a beautiful place. If you haven't been to South Beach and you're a listener to the show, I highly recommend it. There is just, it's so unlike any other city I've been. The the way it's got that Cuban influence and the incredible beaches, it just is so neat. So cool. It's a beautiful place. So there are some things from this game that stood out to me, but you're weak. How'd it go, man? Oh, it went pretty good, man. Not, didn't do too much this week. I mean, kind of sat at home. Kids didn't have too many activities, so I watched Notre Dame and drank Tito's. I watched Buffalo here and drank more Tito's. So, and then nice. some chicken wings on top. So I, I didn't do much this Ooh. week. What about you? Nothing to speak of, man. I've been under the weather lately, so this is you know it, it's all been recovery for me. Non-COVID under the weather, thank God. I know, right? You got to give the disclaimer, man, nowadays. But I felt good on Sunday. And let me tell you one of the things that made me feel good. AJ Epinesa didn't record any sacks, but did you see that he had nine quarterback pressures and he was the one that knocked Tua Tagovailoa out of the game? I felt so bad for little Tua, man. I ain't lying, man. They was... AJ Epinesa yeah. just, I mean, just hit him right there in the chest. I mean, I'm talking about all of him just laid into that hit. I mean, it's a beautiful picture, but I felt I felt bad for Tua, man. I, I it when we talk about like D two teams that play like D one teams, and you mm-hmm. say, man, you just want to come out of this game healthy, and and that's what I felt like when we played Miami. Like 
I feel like we just outclassed them. Like they were like a D2 team and we were like Alabama. That's what it felt like. Like I felt like we were going to hurt them. Like they weren't professional players. That's what it felt like uh, during the day. And that was the the surprising thing to me because does Miami have a bad offensive line? Or are the Bills that dominant? Or is it some combination thereof? It might be a combination thereof, but this is and this is why I wrote in the notes, and this me, you and I was texting during the game. This is the performance from the defense I was expecting last week. When mm-hmm. we talked about the keys to the game, we talked about how Pittsburgh had four new starters on the offensive line, and I was hoping to see that our D line uh, would take advantage of, uh, of them having new uh, people there. But the way we made Miami look, we made them look terrible. But the week before when they played the Jets. They didn't look terrible. I mean, not the Jets. I'm sorry. The week before when they played uh, the Patriots, they didn't look this inept. Right. Right. You know, but I, I tell, like I said, I got plenty of friends down there that's Miami fans, and I told them I was like, the worst thing that could happen to y'all is that we lost last week. You just saw a different focus this week. It was one of these situations. It wasn't like we talked about last week. It wasn't a, a have-to win. It, it wasn't a must-win. But you don't want to be behind an eight ball at 0-2 and, and still to have Super Bowl contention uh, hopes. It's kind of like right now with the Packers. They're lose, as this recording right now, it's halftime of Monday Night Football, and Detroit's winning 17-14 at the half. If mm-hmm. the Packers go down 0-2, their pants is going to be livid. <laughs> and that's something I didn't want to deal with, so. Wait, did you say their pants or their parents? No, I said their fans. I'm sorry. Well, their fans. <laughs> my, my lips got stuck together. I meant my their fans, man. I'm sorry. I I'm like, how can their pants be angry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I'm using Jalen's computer, and he just had an email pop up, and it kind of startled me because it dinged. I was like, what the heck? Oh, okay. So. You have mail. Yeah, I um, know. Weird. But here's the thing. Through three quarters of that game, did you feel like the Bills dominated? I remember sitting next to you for the Pittsburgh game, and even when we were up, was it 10 nothing? You still felt good about the game. All right. Once we jumped up 14 nothing, I didn't really – I knew we were going to win, but I didn't feel good about it. How about that? I didn't either because it really seemed like Miami shooting themselves in the foot cost them cost them points. Right. There was Devontae Parker dropping a, a sure touchdown, and they had the, the fumble at the 10-yard line. By halftime, they had four turnovers, and – Two of them were completely unforced. And I was thinking to myself, they're moving the ball. The Bills offense still doesn't look comfortable yet, even though they've put up points. They could turn this thing around and we could be looking at another Pittsburgh type game where it's ugly, but they scratch and claw their way back and they start putting some things together. It never happened, but it certainly seemed... And even into the third quarter, like that was going to be a possibility. And oh, by the way, the best thing that could have happened for Miami was Jacoby Brissett going in the game. Oh, I totally agree. 
When when Tua got sipped out on the straw, I was about to say on the stretcher. When he went in the locker room <laughs> on the court, when he went in on the court, I'm like, okay, man. I'm I was more scared of Jacoby Brissett than I am, excuse me, than I am of Tua. I didn't think Tua would do anything. I I don't I don't believe in him. He's he hasn't shown me anything as of yet um, with that team and with those weapons. I was definitely more worried when the backup came in. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. And, and then they started moving the ball a little bit before, of course, shooting themselves in the foot. And it was a lot of quick passes. They were getting just behind the linebackers. Gasicki started playing well as we knew he would. Uh, and... Um, Trey White had a hard time with DeFonte Parker. Uh, that that this might have been one of Trey White's worst games in the last couple of years. He just, you know, he made made himself look silly when he was going after the quarterback and he was jumping and getting himself out of position. He had a hard time with DeFonte Parker as the Bills seemed to do with really big receivers and DeFonte Parker's 6'3" 220. Mm-hmm. It it was just the Bills didn't – to me, they didn't look dominant. And apparently, I'm not the only one who thought that. Are you familiar with the website 538? I'm not. Okay. Uh, a guy named Nate Silver started that, and he was a, a, a baseball guy. And he started putting together sports statistics, and then he got really into doing um, political prognostations uh, – when he was you know, predicting election results and he's really very good. And they put together, they, they put together a statistic called expected points added, which is something that they, they assess each play based on down distance, time of game, game situation, and all of that. Now check this out. Okay. This was only this game was only the 12th time in the past 10 seasons that a team scored 30, 35 plus points on offense while producing a negative offensive EPA. That's 12 times in 453 regular and postseason games. Hmm. So even the advanced stats were saying the Bills are scoring. But we're not sure how. <laughs> right. Right. And going back to Trey White, man, I text you, man. I was like, this dude literally should have three sacks right now. If he I know. If he just instead of jumping and diving and being confused on a blitz, if he just rushed the quarterback, he would have had three sacks, literally. I don't know what he was thinking, man. One time he just jumped for no reason, just got faked out. I'm like. What is Trey White doing? It was it was peculiar. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, in the end, it didn't hurt them. They pitched a shutout. The defensive line. I mean, we already talked about AJ Epinesa, but when is the last time you saw the defensive line dominate a game like that? Was it the cold front days? It, it might be, man. It's been a while, dude. And what what really felt good about it is what the takeaway was that it's the young guys that was. That was uh, pushing ahead, you know. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Greg Rousseau with his first, not one, but two sacks of his career in his hometown of Miami, Florida, where he played co- uh, collegiately and where he's from. He talked in the post game how wonderful it was to have a good game, a big win 
against his whole time team with all his family members and stuff there. So that's a feel good story for our first round pick. Uh, five tackles, three solos, two sacks, and two two tackles for losses and uh, two quarterback hits. So that's a great day for a rookie. And he yeah. played most of the defensive snaps too. So are we starting to see that the old guard is getting pushed out for the new young boys? It seems like that a little bit. And one of one of his sacks, the one that I really liked, he dropped into zone coverage. The Bills were yeah. running a zone blitz. He <laughs> was in coverage and saw the play developing in front of him and rushed the quarterback and got him down before the quarterback could get rid of the ball. It was actually a very smart, smart play. Mm-hmm. Star, Lutalele, quietly had four quarterback pressures himself. The guy who isn't supposed to be able to be able to get after the quarterback, there he was, blowing things up from the middle. And... You really can't say enough about Matt Milano either. He actually pressured the quarterback or got a hit, one or the other, on over 70% of his pass rushes. Yeah, that's amazing, man. The first two games, we can't say enough about his performances. It's just that when he makes a tackle and he gets up slow, I cringe every time, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't get hurt. And that's something we got to worry about with him. But if he can stay on the field, I can't imagine how he doesn't be a pro bowler this year. The way he's the way he's making plays at this point, man. Five tackles, five solos, a sack, uh, two tackles for losses, and a couple of quarterback hits, man. You can't beat that. He was just so good. And I mean, he's everywhere. He's dropped getting after the quarterback and dropping into coverage and making plays there. Very few players can do that. As Bill Parcells used to say. Players are generally good at either moving forward or moving backward. They're usually not good at both. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, But to me, and that was the highlight for me, but to me the story of the game was Josh Allen. The Bills put up 45 points, and we did not see a particularly good Josh Allen performance. He was 17 for 33 for 179 yards. He two TDs, one interception, a QBR of 63.1. That is not 2020 Josh Allen. And not at all. And once again, we talked about this last week. People don't want to talk about the bad stuff when you win. They want to make it all flowery and all that. But here on our show, we're never as good as it looks, and we're never as bad as we thought it was last week. We're somewhere in the middle. And so looking at Josh Allen, when you look at his stats and you look at uh you look at the fact that he got a win and it was 35 nothing, it makes it look like, oh man, he did okay. No, he didn't. I mean, right now he's in the middle of a pack or at the lower end of all NFL quarterbacks in most statistical categories. Um, so let so, me ask you though, if, is it fair? To criticize the quarterback after a 35-0 win. Yes. Is it fair? It is to me. Okay. Unless, unless you're going to be a fan where, and, and some of us are like this, man, where we, when we even when we stink, we're going to argue for our team. And, and I get that. You love your team. I mean, you love your team like you love your family. Nobody's going to talk about my kids or my wife except for me. 
You know, so <laughs> you if you find yourself always defending it, then I get it. You don't want to hear it. But for the open-minded people, like I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. So that's all I, I care about. So what the way he's playing it right now, we are, we're not going to win a Super Bowl because we need – because they're saying, okay, well, the defense was looking like a top five defense in the league right now. Statistically, mm-hmm. we look good, right? But what about those four floppers that we're going to have? We're going to have four games where we're going to give up 30 points for no reason. We're going to need Josh Allen, and that's why we pay him $40 million to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. We're not paying. See, my thing is, if you want to be average, then that's fine. Then you should have took average money. And I'm all, and I, now I'm going to always compare you to the Mahomes. I'm going to compare you to the Dak Prescott. I'm going to uh, compare you to these guys because that's how we're paying you. So that's fine. I mean, I, I think that he's going to get out of the funk right now. Um, even last year he had games like this and we still won. But you best believe when we go to New Orleans, when we play KC, when we play these teams, we're going to need him to be the best player on the field. And we just haven't seen it yet in 21. No, we haven't. Um, his QBR is 44.5, which puts him 22nd in the NFL. And I can say comfortably that Josh Allen has had two clunkers to start the season. Yes. But it makes me feel really good that the Bills were they were in the first game despite him not playing well right. against a good team. And they completely dismantled a team that was one game away from making the playoffs last year. And by all accounts improved considerably this past off season, the bills won handily without needing even good play from their quarterback. What does that tell you about the entire team? that Sean McDermott and our general manager put together a wonderful roster, which we knew we had. Mm-hmm. That Leslie Frazier is one of the best in the game. I don't want to ever lose Leslie Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to lose Brian Dable. I don't want to lose Leslie Frazier. But the concerning thing, going back to my point, though, the concerning thing is all the open guys that he's missing. Yes. That's the thing. Like, a good quarterback, like, I mean, once again, man, I don't ever want – I believe Tom Brady's the GOAT. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. F Tom Brady, I get it. We hate him, but he's the GOAT. If you yeah. just watch him play, man, he's like a surgeon, okay? And the way his ball placement is – and so those are the things that I look at. If you can't place the ball where it needs to be, then we're, we're talking about accuracy now. I thought we got rid of that in 2019. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um the one uh, the first series or maybe the second series of Emmanuel Sanders the 40 yard pass beautiful. Beautiful pass later right Gorgeous. there. It was a beautiful pass, but Emmanuel Sanders was wide open. What's going to happen when our receivers are not open? That's that's where I judge you at. You know what I'm saying? And so the fact that you're missing guys wide open again like you were Three years ago, that's that's concerning to me. But I think he's going to get better. I mean, once again, we're only two games in. We got 15 games left. And also the thing that gives me optimism is I feel like maybe we peaked 
too early last year. So hopefully we just continue to get better throughout the year and then come playoff, we'll be peaking. That's what I'm hoping. But the fact that you can't hit guys wide open, even the one with uh, Diggs, where it was the jump ball, and he went up and made a wonderful catch against an all-pro uh, 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 cornerback. Like, yeah. if you would have just placed it right, then Diggs burnt him, and he could have ran for a touchdown. Yeah, so Diggs I'll, had two yards on Xavier Howard on that. Exactly. And you don't often get two yards behind Xavier Howard. Exactly. And so that's the thing. And we and one thing I can say about Bills Mafia, we watch the games. Like, only people who I know that are Bills fans that don't watch the games are people who ha- literally are at work. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else is watching the game. So that's where stats and box scores and highlights can kind of fool you. But when you're watching every pass and every uh, play, it's like, man, you passing for 50%. That just ain't going to cut it. <laughs> you right. know, against a good team. And not granted, we went against two de- good defenses too. We're not going to see Pittsburgh and Miami's defense every week. But once again, we're not going to move the goalposts on you, Bills Mafia. We said what our intentions were this year, and our intentions are to win us or go to the Super Bowl. So that means you got to get past the Baltimore's who looked wonderful last night. You got to mm. get past the Kansas City Chiefs. You got to get past these guys. So that's the standard I'm holding you to. And right now, we're just not there. Not yet. Right. Not yet. And don't think that we're picking on Josh Allen here. We're just looking for him to play up to the standard that we that that we know he can that he set for himself by completing seventy percent of his passes and being just absolutely outstanding in twenty twenty. But let me ask you: Do you have any hypotheses as to why Josh Allen is not playing up to his standards? Oh, that's a good question because I know a lot of people say, oh, once he got paid, now he's getting comfortable. I don't believe that. He looks like the type of person that's grounded. Um, I don't think the money is an issue. But before, I mean, the offseason, we talked about it. How is he going to perform in full stadiums? Okay. How is he going to perform with more expectations? You know? Yes. Um, So the contract brings the expectations. Right. Right, so right now this isn't. I mean this these and once again it's two games, but right now this isn't good enough. Do you know the type of people who had better days than Josh Allen yesterday? Kyler Murray <laughs> threw for four hundred yards. Um, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, before Tyrod Taylor got hurt, um, <laughs> he threw. I mean, so these are like bargain basement people. Like so. We every week that you have a bargain basement performance is going to stand out because you took that contract. And so when I bring that up to people, they don't want to hear it. But once again, compared, I might sound like a Tom Brady lover. Tom Brady never made the most money in the league, and he's the GOAT. Josh Allen right. could have turned down that money. He didn't have to be the second highest paid person. So that's the expectations we're going to have. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to throw Sam Darnold into that mix. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he looked good, bro. Yeah, he did, actually. <laughs> so I want to go good. back to something, though. I want to go back to the expectations and the contract. And here's why I think that's an issue. If you look at the way he's missing some of his receivers, he seems to not just be rearing back and making the throw he needs to. 
a few times he has put too much air under the ball. Like he's trying to be perfect. There was that play to digs um, on like the flea flicker, for example, that the bills tried to do in week one mm-hmm. where he floated it when Diggs made a good cut to the sideline, as opposed to letting her rip. That tells me he's trying to be perfect with the ball. He did that a couple of times. That tells me he's in his head a little bit. He's right. not trusting what he's seeing. He's not trusting his arm. He's thinking about what he's doing. Right. And I would not be surprised if he's out there saying, hey, I've got a record-setting contract. I got to go out and earn it now, which is a great attitude to have. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, you know, the, the work starts now. Okay. But if that's in the back of your mind that you need to prove you're worth that money, that could be getting in the way. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And 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 if you want to compare to last week, I feel like last week he was overthrowing people. And then this week he was like, okay, I don't want to overthrow, so I'm going to underthrow and hopefully they can make a play. And, and it happened, you know what I'm saying? But the accuracy, it just doesn't – he doesn't feel comfortable. I think another hypothesis I would say is he should have been playing in the preseason. You could make that mm. argument now. You could. Because he played the last game. That was against, what, third teamers? And he told them up, that's fine, but when did you really get a chance to go against the top-notch first-team people? So maybe that's the thing. Maybe he should have played preseason, even though you and I both said we didn't want to see him preseason. Yeah, I didn't want him to. No, we didn't, and, I, and I'll stand by that. But maybe he should have. Maybe we were wrong. So there is another observation I've made and this is, I, I could be wrong. I'm not a coach. I'm not an expert on this. But to me, Josh Allen's footwork is not where it needs to be. He mm-hmm. seems to be opening up his uh, his front foot, his front hip too much. He seems to not be throwing from a solid base. He seems to be doing a lot of his jump throws where he shuffles his feet while, he's, while his arm is going through the throwing motion. He seems to be not squaring up sideways he seems to he seems to be throwing with his i guess his uh his hips facing the receiver a bit as opposed to his hips being sideways to the receiver perpendicular i guess you would say i i think that these are things that are to me they've been very evident and i'm surprised that they're not catching him in film studies at this point but every time he throws a, a bad ball it seems to me like his base is off. And the first week, the excuse was there. The pass rush was getting to him. That was very clear. But there wasn't much of a pass rush coming from Miami. There were a couple times he ran out of pockets that were clean, which was a little odd to me. But he had time to throw, and he had time to set his feet and throw from a strong base. He wasn't doing it. And it seems like it. he may have developed a couple of habits because I saw it in the preseason too. Like, hey, wait a minute. Why did he just hop when he threw that ball? There's no reason for that. Yeah, that's that's a, been bugging me. That's been a good observation. But what I will say to that is, did you I don't know if you watched the Baltimore Kansas City game last night. If you I thought, unfortunately missed it. All right, it's a play, man. You gotta see it. It's one of Lamar Jackson's touchdowns where he was starting to scramble and he was running towards the line of scrimmage and he just jumped. He did the Tim Tebow jump in the air. And he threw like a 20-yard pass and scampered into the uh, end zone. Oh, so yeah. 
you could be all base and still be accurate with the ball. I mean, uh, that was Lamar Jackson. So Mahomes, he does it every game too. He's you can be, but you shouldn't make a habit of it. That shouldn't that shouldn't be. You know, half of your throws shouldn't be from a bad base. It should happen when you're on the run, trying to escape, getting hit, that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. when you have a clean pocket. When, okay, in a clean pocket, I got you. And speaking of clean pockets, man, shout out to the offensive line, man, especially yeah. Feliciano, man. That dude, he rebounded, bro. He had uh, everybody wanted to have his have his job, I tell you. And he came back and had a great performance, in my opinion, just watching the eyes. Obviously, I didn't look at the the grades, but uh, just for the eye test watching the game, man, Josh Allen was able to have a clean pocket most of the day. I think he only got sacked once. Mm-hmm. You could probably blame that on him, but then we rushed for a hundred and forty some yards, also. So right, and especially the uh, Devin Singletary uh, scamper, the second player of the game, man. It's that was beautifully blocked. It was uh, a, a well called play by Dable, and it uh, worked to perfection, man. So I shout out to the big hog uh, mogs up front, and let's give credit to. Those short yardage runs by Zach Moss, oh my God, is he physical down there. He took, he scored two touchdowns and he took two hits that nobody should have been able to bounce off of, especially that second one. The Dolphins linebacker, I forgot his name, but I I looked him up. He's uh, 237 pounds. The guy had a five yard running start, hits Moss straight on, knocks Moss back a step. And then he just keeps going again. Yep. It, his power is unbelievable. I I I don't want to see Zach Moss. Although he had the fumble early on on the reception. Uh, and then he sat a lot of the game until we put him back in the end uh, in the second half. Um, I don't ever want to see him on the inactive list. You need to have him just for attitude and the physicality. In my yeah. opinion, I love the fact when we went a lot of eye formation with Gilliam in the backfield and we were running the football, it, it felt physical. It felt like we were opposing our will on them. I would love to see that more. I still want to see better run blocking than, than we did um, in general. So I was having this conversation with, with your boy, Jeff Adamschick. We, we chatted a lot. Uh, during the game and Jeff and I we have some disagreements on some things that we're not going to get into right now but one of our debates was over which of the Bills two linebackers is better Um, but (laughs) he was saying he's like look I don't even care if they score I just want to see them with a convincing drive and I said yeah like where they hold the ball for five six minutes and control the game, control the clock a little bit. He's like, yes, I'm not convinced right now that they can do that. And the way you do that is by running the ball and by getting your receivers open, usually on crossing routes. I agree. It's a great point because the teams that end up dominating are the ones that can control the ball for periods of time keep the other offense off the field, keep the other defense on the field, wearing them out. It's something that the Bills need to work on. And I think that begins with the offensive line. That's the problem. And I'm going back once again. I'm going back now with Tyrod Taylor. 
he was efficient. He didn't make mistakes, but with him leading our offense, we punted way too much. And mm-hmm. I just I I feel like that Josh Allen is too good for us to be punting all the time. Mm-hmm. Like our offense should be good enough good enough to where we don't have to keep giving you opportunities. And I keep referring to that game last uh, once again last night, Baltimore and the Chiefs, which was probably the game of the year so far. Oh, it was an instant classic. And they were, and you gotta see. I know you didn't see it, but you gotta see the highlights, man. It was uh, one of the last plays of the game where Baltimore was up. It was fourth and one on their side of the field. Most people in their right minds would have punted it off and hoped that Mahomes don't dry yeah. down and kick a field goal to win. No. Uh, Harbaugh asked him, what do you want to – he asked Lamar Jackson, what do you want to do? He said, go for it. And they ran a power QB run, got the first down, and that's the game. I love that. I love it, man. It it drives me nuts. I, I understand the NFL is chess. It's field position. You got to do all the smart things because the margin of error is so small. But, man, that, to me, when you put the ball in your best player's hands, he like, put it in my hands, I'm going to come through for you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I love it. And, once again, we talked about this last week, and I'll say it again. Whenever it's third or fourth is short, if we don't give it to our 6'5", 250-pound quarterback and just wedge everything forward, fall for it, you're always going to get a first down. I don't know why we would do anything else. Once again, Lamar Jackson ran a power play. Got the first down. They're not giving the ball back to Mahomes. I thought that was awesome and gutsy on your side of the field. Mm-hmm. Going back to the offensive line and the running game, I do want to point out that if the Bills did not have that one forty-six yard run, yes. Hold, hold on one second. I, I need to do my math again. Then we only would have rushed for like a hundred yards on twenty nine carries. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the you. Bills would have averaged two point nine yards a carry instead of the four point eight. Instead of four point eight, yeah, yes, and make it three even yep. as we round up. Yeah, three yards a carry is not going to get it done. No, no. And yes, the Bills would have rushed for only ninety seven yards total. Yeah. Uh, on offensive line, they they got to do better because Devin Singletary looks like he can do something with the ball when he has an opportunity. Here's the thing. I'm not upset about this win. I love this win. Unfortunately, this seems to be the downside of success is because now... We hold the Bills to a different standard. Six years ago, if the Bills won any game 35 nothing, we would have been dancing in the streets. But six years ago, we were looking forward to the draft and watching college and talking about the draft two months into the season. So it's different. <laughs> yeah, but what I was going to say is I think my perspective is very much based on the perspective of assuming the Bills are going to be in the playoffs, it's how are they going to compete against the best teams in the NFL? That's that's really the only thing I'm concerned about at this point. Like wins and losses, I just assume that they're going to have enough wins to be in the playoffs. What can they do when they get to that point? What's going to happen when they play 
Kansas City in three weeks. Yeah. That's what interests me. Yeah. And and that's just a product of success, my friend. I mean, I know it sounds like we're ungrateful. People listen to it. But, oh, man, shut up. We want 35 to quit your squawking. I mean, I get it, man. But we're looking at it like I want to see how this is going to transfer when we play the good teams. Like, we have another test this week. We play Washington. They got a good defense, another good front seven. So how are we going to – I mean, offensively, I'm not worried about them like their offense against our defense, but what are we going to do against their defense? I mean, they have an outstanding front line and chase young and Deron Payne Mm -hmm. are pro bowl level guys. Chase young is outstanding. And Deron Payne is an excellent defensive tackle weighing in at like 330 pounds. He's exactly the kind of player that that's going to give Feliciano fits. And, oh, by the way, uh, they've also got Jonathan Allen at yep. uh, defensive tackle, and he's weighing in at 300 pounds and can move. And Montez Sweat, man. They got a great front. They got a great front four that's going to give us a challenge, man. Oh, I you forgot know? about Sweat. Yeah, don't forget about it, man. It, uh, the, the football team is like Alabama East, man. They got a bunch of Bama players on their team. So, I mean, they're they're going to be good and they're going to be hungry. It's going to be, uh, I believe this is going to be their first road game. So, I feel like they're going to get away and they're going to they're going to be focused and ready to go. So, you know yeah, where starting tight end is. I do. Buffalo Bills cast off himself, Logan Thomas. And yeah, man, I'd be watching him, man. You know, us being in the area, Logan Thomas, man, he looked decent, dude. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, if he's good enough to start in the NFL, he's probably good enough to be a backup in Buffalo. I would think. <laughs> I would hate for him um, to come here and look better than Knox, even though Knox got a nice touchdown grab this week. Uh, that was that was a great play all the way around. Josh Allen leaving the pocket, buying himself time, actually putting touch on the ball in a situation where it needed to happen, and Knox with that sliding catch. That was just a great play all the way around. And I actually predicted uh, on the Believe podcast that that Knox was going to have five catches. Well, he wasn't even targeted five times. He was only targeted three times, but he had two catches, and I'm glad to see it. I, I do want to see that guy mixed into the offense. Mm-hmm. Do anyway. you do you feel more comfortable about this week since Ryan Fitzpatrick is in our IR and we're going against Taylor Heineke? Yes. Okay. I think in the long run, Taylor Heineke may – show to be the better quarterback than Fitz is, but the Bills do a lot of tricky trap coverages on the back end of their defense, and I assume that with all of the experience Fitz has, he's seen it before, and he's going to know how to react. Taylor Heineke doesn't have a lot of experience, and I, I think that there's a greater likelihood that they can confuse a Taylor Heineke more so than a Fitzpatrick. And also, I don't know if you knew this, Fitzpatrick is pretty smart. He went to Harvard. Did he? I didn't know that. I did not know that. Here's the other thing. He wears his wedding band on the field. Did you know that? I did not know that for the hundredth time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. So, do you think we're going to win this game? I think so, but I think I think the football team's going to cover the spread. I, I It started out at nine and a half. Nine, it yeah. quickly shrank to eight and a half. But Man, Vegas must know something. Maybe it does, but I think that the Washington football team has the ability to keep the game close because I think that their defensive line can wreak havoc on the Bills' offensive line. And if they can play smart football... And, and now this is predicated on the assumption that Josh Allen will have a similar day as what he has had the first couple of weeks of the season. If he comes out, if he, if he gets his mechanics straightened away, fixes his feet, then it's not going to be anywhere close. Buffalo is going to beat them by 30. Okay. Because I don't think that they can score. But if it's not 2020 Josh Allen, if it's 2019 Josh Allen, well... 2019, the Washington football team kept it very close in Orchard Park. Right. We had 2020, Josh Allen, we would have beat Pittsburgh. But we got oh, tw- yeah. but we got 2019, and that's why we came up short. Right. I was looking at this. What do, all right, so the next week we played Houston, Texas without Tyrod. I read today that Tyrod Taylor is going to be out a month. Did 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 we fans not get screwed by the injury bug on other teams by not getting to like give an ovation to both Fitz and Tyrod? Yep, we got screwed, man. We did. So what are you? You so you? We're gonna go in that game two on one. You think we could? You think we could knock off rookie Davis Mills? Yes, I think that they can beat Davis Mills. Because they already said they're not activating Deshaun Watson, which is a peculiar situation down there in Houston. They're paying him all this money just to be a, uh, I guess, some a coach, I guess, third-string quarterback and coach until they can try to trade him. But they will not activate him. So he yeah, right. I don't know enough about what the inner workings of that are, but it seems like it's probably a good. Uh, a good move, at least from a PR standpoint, to not put him out on the field. Mm, okay. Not much, man. I don't know if you saw yesterday, um, 600 and about 70 people returned their uh, season tickets, which was uh, due Friday because of the new uh, COVID protocols that we talked about last week. Mm. And you had an opportunity. The deadline was Friday to uh, return your season tickets. And so, about 670 people or about maybe 1% of the capacity of uh, Hallmark Field or Hallmark Stadium, excuse me, uh, took advantage of it. So I don't know if everybody's just pissed off like, yeah, I don't want my tickets. Give me my money back. Or people was like, I'm going to keep the tickets and scalp them and try to make money off of it. So, um, mm. yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, that's the situation. People return the tickets. So. We're going to keep talking about this COVID situation. And you see what happened to the Saints this week. They had half their coaches and team out, and they didn't play. And that's why they got whooped by Sam Darnold and uh, the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. (laughs) Although I think the Panthers are a better team than people expected. Their defense looks like it's the real deal. Man, you got Sam Darnold in a good situation, man. How funny is that? 
We talk about that all the time, man. <laughs> Success is situational, man. You took him off the Jets, and now you got that your boy uh, Wilson in there getting murdered with the uh, d- with the Jets and getting killed. Uh, you got Miami gave away Tannehill. Tannehill was one step away from the Super Bowl two years ago, and Miami probably going to be back drafted another first-round quarterback this year. Yeah, isn't so. it strange how um, it, both Tannehill and um, – Sam Darnold had their careers ruined by the same head coach, Adam Gase. Yep, yep. we talk <laughs> about it all the time, man. So everything's situational in the league, man. I tell you, oh, it really is. It yeah. really is. Um, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the people to assemble it, it's it's going to be a problem. That's one of the reasons I'm so happy with what the Bills have going on right now. I feel really good about Sean McDermott as coach, uh, Brandon Bean. I think he's probably a, a very good general manager. He, of course, has his misses. Right. You know, you, as everybody do. Yeah. As everybody does. You know, yeah. Wyatt Teller. You know, we keep talking about him. Logan Thomas. Oh, don't talk yeah. about that. <laughs> Sorry, man. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for another great show. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Chris Newton. We're Jamie D and Big Newt. We come at you every single week and please do tune in. We can uh, be found anywhere you catch your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all of them. We're out there. And listen to the other Buffalo Rumblings podcasts too. They're, they're pretty good. Uh, anyway, for big Chris Newton, thanks for listening, guys. Newt, give us a song. We're on a one-game winning streak. Hey, hey.